So, so, uh, listen, listen, I'm, I'm going to play it straight. Clearly not New England, but, but Brandon, you are from the not New England great state of Maryland, right? Where you've got, correct. you have crabs, Annapolis, yep. Baltimore, and here's what I want to ask you about. So I was watching The Keepers. Now, I don't want to go on too long, parenthetically here, but it's just, I don't know what the deal with this Keepers show is. Some sort of true crime show, normally. I'm not into true crime. That is my wife's department. She fulfills our true crime obligation of keeping the economy moving <laughs> by consuming an stream of that. That's fine with it. But I, I, last night, last night I was like, we got to watch something. And uh, the, the, we couldn't get other things to work. I wanted to watch uh, Resident Evil, the final chapter was not available in the sources I have. And, uh, and so we started watching The Keepers. Now, The Keepers occurs in Baltimore. Now, I'm listening to it. I'm watching it. And I'm like, there's some sort of Baltimore accent that they're doing. But I just I can't put my finger on it, right? Like, it reminds me of, of like, John Waters because he's from Baltimore. And I can't yep. figure out what the Baltimore accent is. So, of course, I go to Wiki, the Wikipedia. And, uh, and um, remember, Brandon, when you used to say Wiki all the time? Those are good times. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> yep. I go there, and of course, it's some like linguist nerd bullshit where they've got like a bunch of Greek letters trying to tell you something. I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking know what you're saying. So, Brandon, I ask you, what is the Baltimore accent? Can you kind of like educate me and demonstrate? All I know is that you're supposed to say hun all the time, and that's all I, I've understood. Yeah, it brings up a good question because it is some sort of like, amalgamation of like boston philly i guess more and then kind of mid um mid uh what am i trying to say middle atlantic kind of thing so it's kind of its own unique thing i i think it's like kind of a variant of like a boston accent a little bit mm. but you know i was just thinking about like where's the best example of it i think it would be the wire in the wire it's like season uh Three, I think it's season three where they are on the boatyards a lot in Annapolis. Oh yeah, where they kind of get out of the um, the kind of the 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 inner city and they have um, there's all these guys on the boatyards. It's great. Of course, The Wire, number one TV show. You should watch it. Everyone's probably seen it. But uh, they have, I guess, they do it the best. So I guess if you're interested in what it is, it's that. But I guess I would just say it's like a a variant or. Derivative of Philly and Boston, but Baltimore, you know, just not as many population wise, just not as big. So it isn't, you know, as pronounced or there are not as many people with it. And I think just within that region between Philly, Baltimore and Washington, D.C., um, pretty different, you know, accents or lack of accents, depending on how you think of it. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, re- I'm remembering <laughs> I remembering the the lady uh, boat worker, dock worker. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah. and I have to go look up some YouTube clips clips because i remember she did have a very distinct accent and uh i don't know but you're okay so so from without getting into the weird linguistic you know the 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 like you know page 300 to 325 of the unicode spec can we talk about glottal stops yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) fricative uh but i for the first so the first thing i learned is you're supposed to uh, other than saying hun you're supposed to say Baltimore, like like ball, like balling. Yeah, and then there's like Baltimore, right? Like just like Baltimore. I guess it's just dropping dropping the T. I guess is the you know it's like in Boston you drop the R's, so like Baltimore, like you're and, the ball, like you. I guess you are dropping the T. And then how um, how would you say C A S H? C A S H. So cash, cash. You would just say cash. There's no no variant on that. Yeah, you know, but again, like. I'm just now now we're really gonna get inside baseball. Really, I grew up outside of Washington D.C., which is like just the whole nother, you know, like that's sort of like mm. El Paso. It's mm. like obviously distance wise, it isn't, but it's kind of like El Paso to Austin, Baltimore to like the greater Washington D.C. metro area. Very different uh, areas. So I don't want to offend anyone from Baltimore trying to like right pretend uh, uh, offending that I, people that I really based on geography ball. is my specialty. Like for for example, here's a good example of it. I feel like I'm going to clear up some confusion. When people talk about Virginia, I think they mean all the office workers of D.C., as far as I can tell. That seems uh, to be the, the, the most of the population there. <laughs> so go on. Well, yeah. I, I was just uh, oh. talking about my trip to, to W.A., and uh, people thought I was talking about Washington State. I was talking about Western Australia. Mm. So <laughs> a little different. A little all right. Different. Well, well, okay. Maybe this is some homework then 
for at least me and Brandon. We're gonna we need to find some representative examples of a Baltimore accent because it is like if if you watch this keepers thing. I mean, I don't maybe I'm sure there's other people like this, but it's just like I feel like I'm so close to understanding what their accent is, right? But it's really like it's not. No one has a very thick one, so it's very elusive. But every now and then, you just hear something, and you're like, oh, that's that's a unique way of saying that word, and uh, it, it'll be fun to figure that out. All right. Well, I feel like we'll have to. Is it David Chase? I heard no. Who's who's the man behind the wire? I can't remember. Not David Chase. David I think Simon. is the thank you, David Simon. I think he is the one that has really unlocked it because he even within has the different dialects um, with those characters like very dialed in. So I don't know. We'll do some research to figure out. There must I be some guys- speech coach. You're just looking for an excuse to rewatch The Wire. Is what I'm hearing. I know. Actually, is what I was thinking. I was like, <laughs> I am. That was a good. That was a good season. I liked it. Yeah, Doc Workers. All right. Well, well, I have a little. Uh, I, I keep forgetting a couple of these things. But let me let me just just before before we get to the main show, there's a few follow up items that there are you know meta follow up whatever you want to say. First of all, so tell us briefly, Matt Ray, where where do you find all these links? Uh, <laughs> um lots of places i don't know uh so 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 obviously twitter you know i follow uh-huh. lots of i try to follow lots of interesting people um i'm very particular about my twitter curation um there's also a couple of different uh linkedin and facebook groups that linkedin I really, groups i know i know okay um, okay actually i take that back nothing useful comes out of linkedin um good party line position it's, there <laughs> It's it's uh, like a couple Facebook groups that uh, people post interesting, like you know, uh, topics of speculation, and and I, I subscribe to a bunch of mailing lists. I'm I'm a big fan of that format, um, yeah. and I'm actually starting to think I need to dial down my my Twitter reading and and just yeah hope hope that like I'm on enough interesting you know daily weekly mailing list that they give me the the zeitgeist that i need yeah because uh, you know so i ask because the whole like i still read a lot of rss feeds right and i feel like i feel like the world of links that i get from my rss feeds are very different than the world of links that uh that that you come up with and and like i started to use that nuzzle application which basically Mm -hmm. It's it's just a big regex search for like links in the people you follow in Twitter, and then it only shows you that, uh, more or less. And uh, yeah. and again, yeah. that's I mean, a whole other realm of stuff. So I, I don't know. I, I got I need to recalibrate my uh, my where, where I'm getting my stuff from. Yeah, I mean, right now I feel like Twitter is just a depressing cesspool of you know. Yeah. Hey, look what crazy polyp political stuff is going on and then i'm kind of just like oh, i don't want to read this and then but you know you go back and forth between being outraged daily and is there anything else worth reading yeah you know i i, I thought you know when i find the time for it i want to go into twitter and just pick like like two to three political reporters to follow like i think i think i would follow matt iglesias uh that maggie <laughs> person at the new york times and maybe Maybe that guy at the Washington Post who like was trying to call up all the people that Trump supposedly contributed money to. I think if I narrowed down to those three, I would I would get pretty much everything. And, and what what, what I actually do is, is rather than follow those folks, I let somebody like you know William Gibson or mm. you know somebody who's adding a, an editorial layer on top of that. So you mentioned David Simon, like he's worth following on Twitter. He's he's an interesting character. Um, so yeah, I have this. I have the people I follow. And then I have these other filtered lists that I keep that I don't actually follow the people because I don't think, you know, they'll ever respond to me and I don't interact with them. And so I have like these news lists of, you know, I don't feel the need to read all of them. And so I think like I only follow like 400 people on Twitter, which sounds like a lot, but it, you know, I'm not following like 4,000. And then over on the news list, I have just the fire hose of of, of other stuff. Um, and, And then, you know, other like work specific Twitter lists and that kind of junk. Hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. So Twitter. Sp- speaking of, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, I think, I think it's always like slightly embarrassing and weird, but like I, I was fiddling around and I set up a Patreon account for us. Is that a good idea, fellas? Or, or is that embarrassing? Should I edit that part of the show out? <laughs> no, let's put it out there. See all right. What people, all right. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give it a shot. You know, we're, yeah. we're all about open source. Here, all right. All right. So here's innovative business models. Here's my thing. And I'm going to go lean startup all over this shit. Right. 
And I'm going to try not to like have to get booted out of the podcast because I've been harassing people as a result. I don't I don't want to bring that part of lean startup into this process. <laughs> so uh, if you go, it's it's Patreon, which I don't, it's spelled really weird, but pa- it's like Patreon. It's, it's a weird word. It's patreon.com slash SDT. Or you could just go to software to find talk. Dot com. That's what this is called, right? <laughs> SoftwareDefinedTalk.com. And I put a link up at the top. But anyways, I don't really quite understand how it operates. You can like give a minimum of a dollar recurring each month. You know, I still get a payment from some Swedish guy supporting Drunken Retired and PayPal every month, which I appreciate. Uh, but do, do, we, do we take Bitcoin? <laughs> it looks like that's not enabled yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think we should take Bitcoin in the in the uh, form of convert it to U.S. dollars first and then send mm. it to us. So, yes, we, we do. That we take Bitcoin when it's run through an ESB and converted to uh, U.S. dollars. That's that's what, right. how we accept it. So anyways, like- so if you just want to give us money, now that's that's preferred. Right. You okay. can just sign up and give us a dollar. It looks like pretty straightforward. But I was thinking I put a poll on there. You can also have they have something where you can have like Slate Plus style membership uh, member exclusive RSS feeds. Now, and I, I put a poll for this. We should do something with that. Like there's two things and, and people have to we're going to do some product market fit here. I was thinking one we could do. I'm always thinking it would be fun to do like extended white paper discussions like on the weeds, except about tech world stuff. Right. Like. We'll find some analyst white paper or survey and just talk a lot about it. I don't or know. Maybe maybe we give the uh, the unfiltered show notes. Mm. Now, now hold on. Don't <laughs> don't snarkery included. Don't jump ahead, Matt Ray. But but oh. so I, I I was thinking, you know, because I was figuring if you like the topics we discuss here, if you're the fifteen hundred to uh, thirty five hundred people who download this episode or bots who download every week you probably would like listening to that kind of talk. This is a very, very niche, narrow audience we have. So there's that. You could vote if that would be good. Or I was also thinking we could just have like extended links and show notes. and Not show notes, but just all the link stuff, like a, a digest of links. That's one thing I was just thinking of. I don't know. You got all sorts of options. Uh, there's really no early release thing because I release it as soon as I'm done editing it. But uh, Well, I've just put out, I think, you know, if any of the listeners, one, we should say, We'll have an, uh, anyone that wants to join the uh, the Slack channel, the Software Defined Slack mm. channel. Should that uh, I always that forget is, that. It's a million times easier to uh, to now get involved because of a uh, friend of friend of the podcast, uh, JJ, has set us up with a fully automated uh, uh, way to like put in your email and get an invite. So one, you can actually get in it. But two, if you want to ch- chime in with your ideas, like what kind of newsletters do you like, what kind of podcast mm-hmm. uh, topics you want, we would be more than happy to uh, talk to you. We have a few people in there already. It's always great to get some feedback or just talk about random things. So, you know, jump in there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He didn't eat Brandon. He did not have to SSH to set that up. It was very cheap. <laughs> I did not. There, there, I, I confirmed that. There was a lot of questionable sending of, of Heroku tokens back and forth between me and JJ. That might have been a security <laughs> problem, but I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure like the tokens are now uh, plain text and email servers around the world. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. It's all right. It worked that's out. Right. That's right. I might as well post that token to Twitter for all all the, the security that we have. Go for it. So so before we get on with the show, this is perhaps the longest, most extended injury. I, I wanted to, I wanted to put out an apology for something a few episodes. We were uh, we were talking about uh, uh, arrested DevOps, and we were saying like you should check out all those guys. And and you know of course our friend Bridget is on there. She is not a guy, so you know you should check yeah. out all of those people. It's it's a, it's an ongoing challenge to figure out uh, how not to say guys all the time. I I find myself multiple times a day saying that, and I got to uh, I try to change it to y'all. Thankfully, being a Texan, I've got this easy fallback I can go to. It's either like if you're some sort of uh, New York based hip hop artist. Or a Texan, you can just say y'all. But, uh, mm. you know. We, we just need to adopt whatever they say in Baltimore. Hey. <laughs> I, th- I think if I remember, it's something like using. So, so uh, I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you know, we got we, we need to fix the, uh, the guys thing unless it is, in fact, all guys. Um, or a group of geese. I think, I think you might have, uh, you know, those two mm. things there. But anyways. So, uh, to the show. <laughs> yeah. Back to the show. Oh, hey. And there's two exciting things before we actually get to the show. So this is our last spot that we have with our buddy Clive. He's had great feedback every episode, so we're doing good with this uh, this Casper ad here. Now, I have uh, the other night 
I, I had like a very uh, crazy, crazy day. Uh, and so I just decided like, I'm just going to fall asleep on, on my daughter's Casper mattress. Very comfortable. You know, what's really good about the Casper mattress is uh, when, when you, if your children force you to uh, make sure they're asleep before you leave their room, it's very quiet to escape. You can make like a ninja escape from their bed <laughs> off, of a, off of a Casper mattress. Now, if they've left a pile of Duplos on the floor that you then trip over, oh. that would be a problem. That's not Casper's fault. That's, uh, they no. should have picked up their fucking Duplos. That's, that's what's going <laughs> yeah. on there. Let me give you a, a parenting pro tip there. Shuffle uh-huh. your feet. Yeah, that, no, yeah, exactly. But, but, exactly. I, I, but I think we just stumbled on Casper's new motto, good for escaping children's rooms at night. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now they are not actually paying us to advertise for their mattress, but... but they probably they, want their money back. <laughs> they, they, they did give us a $50 off discount code to put a free ad in. And if you want to buy a Casper mattress, which I now highly recommend, I think we'll, we'll only buy these mattresses uh, in the future. Check this out. Are you ready, Matt Ray? You can use the discount code, hooray, Matt Ray. And get fifty dollars. Get out of here! Oh yeah, that's H O R R A Y M A T T R A. Hooray, Matt Ray! And you can get fifty dollars <laughs> off. That's for mattress. Our, our buddy Clive wow. sent that over. But what they really I sent back o- all the things I said about children's bedrooms. <laughs> But what they what what they're really paying us to advertise is they're hiring a couple of uh, senior SREs, right? Site reliability engineers. These are the people who keep the website up and running, keep probably a lot of the uh, back office processing up and running, all of the custom written software they have that's running. They make sure that you got all the infrastructure and platformy stuff in place. At least this is what a classic Google SRE style person does. So they spend a lot of their time programming and automating things, and then also working with the actual application teams to. Uh, Make sure that you get all – I don't know if Casper uses SLOs or SLAs or ZZZs or whatever. But somehow, you're the integral part of what keeps things uh, up and running. You you make sure that when the developers, as they want to do, write these bugs, you get to uh, go make sure that they fix it and also make sure that you have resilience and probably a lot of rollbacks involved. Maybe not there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're doing it's a lot. Roll forward. Yeah, that's right. I think I think my uh, my my buddy Andrew Schaefer said something about that earlier today. I also uh, it looks like they have mattresses you can take naps on during work, which is exciting, and uh, it seems to be a highly rated place. So if you want to go be a uh, work at Casper as a senior SRE, there's two positions there. You can email your resume to jobs at casper.com and be sure to mention you heard about it here on Software Defined Talk so that uh, you know we get jollies from them. Or if you want to just go to casper.com slash jobs, you can search for the uh, senior SRE thing. And we'll put a link in the show notes directly to the job posting, which will be at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 99. So uh, remember... Hooray for Matt, or just hooray Matt Ray. No hooray for Matt Ray. Hooray Matt Ray. You can get, you can get fifty dollars off of that, but really you should you should go apply to be a a senior SRE there. And uh, so thanks to Clive for that. We had a good uh, three episode run, and now we will be able to buy Matt Ray a new microphone. Hopefully, hopefully we're not looking at like a Ouch. net a net three sixty five, uh, but we'll we'll somehow get uh, we'll get we'll get paid. We'll buy Matt Ray a new microphone. Everything will be great. So uh, there mm. you go. Glorious future. So, hey, the first thing, speaking of Matt Ray finding things, is something about rail car. What, so what is uh, – I, I read through that. Now, yeah. it looks like – it looks like uh, – I'm always – I talked with someone recently who was from Stack, Stack Engine, the, that company mm-hmm. Oracle acquired. They and, got a, they acquired by Oracle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need to go talk with some more people here locally I know who still work there and, like, figure out what's going on there. But it seems like they got, like, over there at Oracle, they got, like, a container as a service, right? They're, they're like, doing stuff with containers, and it's not even jails and zones and stuff. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're building up uh, all the components for a cloud, and, uh, you know, they if, – if you read uh, – they, they announced so, – so – Back up. Railcar is um, Oracle has announced that they have a new um, uh, container runtime, similar to, uh, to to Run C. You know, just that container engine that will run your Docker containers. Um, but you know, it's the the genericized OCI version of it. Um, and so Railcar is not you know Docker. Uh, it's not uh, Rocket. Uh, it's um, uh, it, it's a new thing written by uh, those folks. Uh, over at Oracle, and it's written in Rust, which is interesting. Uh, I've been learning a little bit of Rust myself, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's 
you know, they, they put out a new open source runtime for, for Docker. And that's cool. Um, you know, that's the whole point of having standards and specifications is, you know, other people can implement it. Um, and then they put out, uh, also Smith and sidecar, which are, you know, kind of complementary projects. Smith is, uh, turns, my understanding is it turns, you know, RPMs into, uh, self-packaged, um, containers, mm. you know, so you can, you know, similar to, I don't know, almost kind of between a build pack and what Habitat's doing and, and, you know, kind of in that space. And then sidecar is kind of what it sounds like, you know, having a little, uh, you know, side, uh, you know, um, another process running inside your container to handle things like, uh, networking or monitoring logging. Uh, it's kind of a, a pattern that's rising up in the, uh, uh, container space, kind of like, uh, I guess, I think Istio is, is that pattern as well, um, where, you know, you don't want to have to uh, bake your container monitoring, logging things into everyone. You have this repurposable uh, package. So it's nice to see them open sourcing some stuff. I think uh, the first reaction I saw online was people like, Oh, copyright licensing agreement from with Oracle. Thank you, but no thank you. Mm. So, you know, I looked at that and a lot of people are moving away from that. You know, copyright assignment seems to be passe these days. Uh, you know, I think there's all sorts of politics involved in, in that. And uh, it's kind of on the way out. Um, you know, Oracle's relatively new to open source. Um, so probably, you know, It'll work out, but if you look at their their uh, the people who have signed their uh, copyright assignment, it's a huge list because you know all the Java stuff is in there too. So oh. I don't know. Is is yeah. it so? So what is this joint thing? Is this is this inherited from the Sundays? No, I mean it goes back to like you know Red Hat used to do it. Uh, Canonical used used to do it. Um, you know Chef used to do it. Where you know when you open source something, you're like, hey, this is available in an open source license. But when you submit a patch, you're giving us license to close it if we want to. Um, and, I see. You know, so so it's kind of like I always get this phrase wrong. It's kind of like the contrapositive of the GPL, which is like if you modify this code, we can feel feel free to use it in a closed source way and profit off of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and you know, there's nothing super bad about that. I mean. I say that, you know, of course, some some uh, long beard will, will jump on me. But, you know, it, it hasn't proven to be that big an issue, except when Oracle does something like, you know, take open Slayer is closed. <laughs> oh, except, wait, so they are. Uh, oh, 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 just minor yeah. things. Yeah, but is this so, a problem? Is this whole project, like, I feel like this is one of these projects that probably made sense to start a couple years ago when there was that whole Rocket, Docker, everyone was, like, fighting. But I don't know, I feel like this issue's sort of largely been... Like resolve, like people yeah, don't really yeah. aren't really that worried about it. I mean, it's fine. It's a standard. There's nothing wrong with implementing it. But it just like all the passion. It's like a war that's been uh, like everyone's come to a peaceful uh, solution well, already. Yeah. So we don't really need this. But it's fine. Yeah, I I, I don't know. You know, so I mean, Oracle's. Um, I just can't conceive they, of a reason why you would grab this. Like why? Like what's the reason? Like okay, I'm going to use this one. Why? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think I think they're they're other than all the obvious things like oh, just it's technically superior and it happens like who knows why anything happens right like like as as, as it were. But <laughs> some some quality analysis. <laughs> well said, well said, Kotai. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but but like there is, uh, you know, Oracle has a lot of customers, and I bet yes. every single one of them is like. I heard about these containers because they all talk like that. I probably insulted the entire mm, Pivotal so. customer base, um, but uh, <laughs> well, only the Texans. <laughs> that's right. But but it is sort of like you know ha- having having been involved in kind of the sales cycle. If your existing vendors uh, sort of have what you want, you buy it from them, right? And yeah. so so like if Oracle has container stuff to sell you and and you want to stick with them, then you know there you go. Like uh, no, no, I'm with you on that, but I, I still see no reason why you would grab like even in the sales cycle because all the people that you're selling to are like, well, wait a minute, we're using this Docker thing, yeah, but like it, it's fine. Like, do we really need to l- learn something new? And then that whole you yeah. know, the customer developers all get mad. So, yeah, so uh, I think this. Is, I'm just gonna go a little bit more. Uh, 
I don't know if I'm going to call it pessimistic, but like, hey, I think this was a project a bunch of people at Oracle were like, we should do this. And then people were like, at the time, like, yeah, it makes sense. And well, then they just, I, 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 I it, mean, it, that it, team was just like, oh, we'll finish it. Let's just throw it out there and this project will quietly, at, 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 you know, at, live at, on in a very quiet area. At the risk of insulting from a place of deep ignorance, it does, it does have uh, two, two of the main uh, symptoms of, of, of science project gone wild, which is like using a bizarre language, right? I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> using, using a, a bizarre non-mainstream language. Now, as, as a uh, count, counter to that, at one point, Go was a bizarre non-mainstream language, and that seems to have worked out well. So what do I know, right? Yes. On the other hand, uh, there are many of these languages, that, if you remember from the fail whale days that existed, and they're not, not so much awesome anymore that people gravitate towards. And then also it's got kind of funny names for things, although not as funny as they could be. But who knows? Railcar is kind of exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but not railcar, sidecar. Yes, yes. But, but, it, but on the other hand, like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Oracle's some kind of like dark horse for Container Wars stuff. Like, who who knows, right? Like... They, uh, you know, you had that, you had that, uh, that opposition research takedown piece from Big Hair Guy up at Amazon, Hamilton, where yep. in in his very uh, turns out problematic, hey guys, you know, nerd tone kind of way was basically like these guys are a bunch of fucking idiots. Let me run the numbers to show you. <laughs> um, and so you got that going on, but like on the other, I mean, you know, they're they're as as we talk about each week. All of the large incumbent vendors have the resources. They have the existing market share. They have the uh, what, what's what's the old movie quote? You know, we have the uh, we have the whatever that like they have they, the technology. They, they have the technology to actually do something successful in this space, and you know it could happen. Well, yeah, uh, right. I mean, but I think you kind of go back to like what are the real problems here, like. Container orchestration, managing these things, very complicated. No one has figured it all out. The actual container itself, commoditized area, runs pretty well. You know, and so it's just like where you want to spend your 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 yeah, resources. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. that's why it's just like it, it feels more like science project than it feels like uh, well, yeah, like strategic investment. I mean, hopefully, somewhere a product manager was like, I don't oh, know, yeah. Know. Matt Ray's dream world. Listen, well, let, listen let's let's just let, let's this is making all the decisions. It's not like it's just a bunch of group of people like, hey, I want to learn this language. We're going to implement this. You see this rocket thing? We should do it too, right? And then it just goes. I want sure I, I want to get on to talking about uh, you know Azure <laughs> Stack and also like do do a uh, a very fine tooth analysis of a of, of of white paper junk. But let's just get a little little preview of our wacky predictions episode. I think. Oracle buys Docker. There you go. Let's go with that. Oh, that's wacky. That's wacky. Yeah, um, I, I mean, they bought Sun, right? Right? Like, Sun yeah. Sun was in... Th- this is the way a lot of, like, crazy life, life-changing. Not, like, personal life, but tech world life-changing acquisitions happen. Like, if you remember the story of Sun, right? Like, they just kind of, like, fucked up business-wise. So uh, a good <laughs> asset was was low-valued, right? And uh, And then IBM was like, hey, this all makes sense. And then I forget exactly why that didn't pan out, but then uh, ends up Oracle on Sun now, right? So like, yeah. who knows? Crazy things can happen, right? Well, like speaking of IBM acquisitions, I, like <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we have something in the show notes about OpenStack. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That 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 is your uh, maybe this will be a special member only thing. Your your link bait of the week. I think I think. Uh, <laughs> I think I think our buddy Ben Keeps there has has quite the uh, quite the headline. He, he's yeah. he's almost pulling a uh, what's the guy? Not Herb Keebler, the uh, uh, Robert X Kringley. He's 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 going oh, into the guy. Robert X Kringley like world of rumors, but we'll we'll see what what happens there. So you got to check that out in the show notes. Is IBM dropping stack stack dropping support of OpenStack? Tune in next week or not? Oh. So you know, I, I I had some barbecue <laughs> with the uh, with the OpenStack Foundation people recently. They're they're uh-huh. they're still lovely people. They're good they good, are. good stuff going on there. And uh, you know, anyways, I wrote wrote a little a lazy piece on them recently. But let's let's get so what should we talk about first? Do we need to speaking of headline grabby? Should we have uh, the uh, the quarterly discussion of a Matt Essay article, or should we talk about Azure Stack? Your your pick. Well, I think we should get the uh, let's get the Azure stack out of the way because I think that's okay. sort of 
you know, I think we know, right? I mean, Microsoft made the move to officially, you know, get into the private hybrid cloud um, area, and I think that surprises like no one, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, since we're doing predictions a little early, I think we're just now, as we've talked about in previous episodes, it's like when does Amazon, when does AWS officially make some type of similar announcement? I think that's, yep. you know, my guess would be at um, the. Uh, reinvent conference in what november would be likely the time something like that comes out but it's just you know i think it's very interesting and i would love to hear what you guys think that several i don't i feel like at one point every time you went to like an aws person was presenting or they were in an audience someone said like hybrid cloud the aws person would say that's not right there's only one kind of cloud that's not you know and i i was thinking to myself like i don't hear that anymore from the aws guys like i don't or maybe i'm just not being interrupted by them for whatever reason but um i don't know is that true because i feel like they've they have kind of like come come away from that hardcore stance yeah but uh i don't know matt ray am i wrong what do you think no i mean there was a, a quote that you know we we use in some of our marketing materials from from uh, uh, from Jassy last year that you know Amazon sees hybrid as the the future for the next five years. They they know that it's going to take a while to dig out these these large crusty enterprises and move them all up into the the public cloud that you know the, the proper cloud if you will. But um, I still don't buy the like full on you know private cloud from AWS. I, I can see the the snowball um, hybrid green grass kind of play, like edge computing to, to feed into the public cloud, but I just, I don't see them co- going as aggressively as Microsoft with, with Azure Stack. Snowballs yeah, on that, green that, grass. That's, I was going to say, that's that's I just think the Whole Foods, you know, the Whole Foods proxy as the uh, kind of the, you know, the strategy of, you know, best uh, first and best customer. The fact that they did the CIA deal a couple of years ago, I bet. I mean, my feeling is just like they've been working on it now for several years. They've had a lot of experience with a high secure customer in CIA, and and just what you you know, I think you know, given just Amazon's overall success, kind of being, you know, I just can't imagine the hype being higher ever. I mean, I know it may be super profitable forever, but like it, they can do no wrong. Now seems like the time to like take the, all that goodwill in your stock and just say like, we're going for it. You know? yeah, but I, I, so, so, of, so like, uh, this I is where the bulk of, of IT scale. spend is. Yeah. As I say, but this is where the bulk of IT spend is and we're going to go get it. Just like, you know, even today, most of uh, consumer spending is still in physical stores and, you know, Amazon's going to go get that. Um, they just get more ambitious as they get bigger. I, I think, I think two things. One, uh, I've, I've almost forgotten them, but, but, uh, you know, I think I think I think the the uh, if there was a case study, I don't know Whole Foods IT too well, just what I've read here and there. But but if there was a case study of making uh, Whole Foods like ninety percent public cloud, that would be the cloud case study to end all case studies, right? It, that would yeah. be phenomenal. Second, isn't it great that like no matter how hard you try, if you talk about something at cloud, everyone always just ends up talking about Amazon. It's like it's, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the Microsoft <laughs> people are like what the fuck? How about the whole fact? How about us? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what happened like, to the Azure stack? <laughs> well, we should. I think we should come back to because I do think reading the Microsoft announcement, it, it is interesting to see the layers of competition. Like there's yeah. the one we were just talking about here, like where the delivery, private, hybrid, public. So there's that thing, but then there's the underlying. You know, I don't even know the way to really say it. The the set of services, right, that you ultimately use inside of these things and. You know, Microsoft really attacking, you know, on the front of like, okay, we'll bring you that private cloud and we're going to try to get you locked into using, you know, our suite of cloud services, right? And so that's sort of like, what is the bigger, like if you're trying to, um, you know, move a whole bunch of developers and convince them around, it's like, like, which is more important? Like, do their corporate overlords say like, hey, we, we it doesn't matter. We got to have this private cloud thing. And if you get enough Microsoft stuff in there, people will be like, yeah, these are the services we're used to and we like. Yeah. Or will they still all be drawn back to, you know, the Amazon, AWS services or other stuff, Google, right? Where so, it's like, no, they're always yeah. this pool of public cloud. And it's, it is an interesting, because I do think for the first time, I think Microsoft is making a move here that, at least makes Amazon really think, right? Like yeah. there is something they're going to have to do. I think containers is the same thing. I don't think Amazon has any, has any natural lead there that maybe other vendors don't. So you know, it is starting to get more interesting on the competitive side. Yeah, I, I think I think that so. So to put it one way, which addresses your 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 point, like the 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 
the two things I'm interested in in so to summarize, Azure Stack, a private version of Azure coming out in September. That's going to be running on HP, Dell, Lenovo, Cisco, and Huawei uh, hardware. Now, you may recall back in uh, 2010, there was also going to be an Azure Stack, which was not called that. If I remember, Unisys released it, but no one else did, which which is interesting. Yeah. So this is like the third or fourth iteration of trying this, which because as to channel him again, as my buddy Andrew Clay Schaefer would say, it turns out cloud is really hard. So, <laughs> well, right, but, right. But and so, so, uh, so, so there's two things just to get it out. Like one, it will be an interest, a very, very informative uh, experiment of is private cloud a thing, right? Like, can you boil down some, can you boil down enough um, capability and functionality into a private cloud? And if I remember, I forget if I pulled this quote out, but like there, there's actually a really good interview in the register with Scott Guthrie, and he go he says a few fascinating things. Oh, here you go. You start with three nodes. Now I don't know if a node is a rack or a pizza box or whatever, but whatever. You can start small, and then you can just Lego block up your way up. I'm sure it's a slightly more complicated, but <clears throat> ever since the first cloud wars, right, so to speak. Everyone has always had the fantasy of like, what if I just get a box and then I hook a wire up to another box and then another box and that's private cloud. And I don't think anyone's ever done that, right? So like uh, successfully. So that'll be interesting to see if that happens. And then to your point, Brandon, like I, from talking with buyers, right? Um, I I have this feeling that kind of like the, the, uh, the instant gratification that is a developer using Docker, if you could go into an, an account, so to speak, or a customer, and within a week, just roll in a box. Remember that, that box that you rolled around once, Matt Ray? It'd be like rolling around a half rack and plugged it in. <laughs> and it would be like, yeah, here's pretty much your private cloud. And people could like start using it and start doing it. And you didn't have to explain a bunch of stuff to them. They had the same, um, the same quick, what's, what's the right word? The usability. They had the same like fast loop of using AWS or using Docker, except it was like an actual sort of cloud thing. Uh, like my sense, See. my sense is that the desire to have private cloud in aggregate at corporations is like insanely strong, right? And people kind of feel guilty about it. Like it's that desire when I see a bag of potato chips and I'm like, yeah. I would just like to eat that bag of potato chips. And if either it was healthy or didn't cause me to have loose stools, I, I would eat it, right? It's kind of like I would love to drive around like a yeah. Tahoe or a Suburban, but I know it's killing the earth. So once they have an electric version of that and it doesn't kill the earth, I'm totally going to get a Suburban and live out my <laughs> fantasies. All right. right? But, but so, so here, here, here's my counterpoints. Here's my counterpoints. Like Microsoft is staffed to to work enterprises and work inside them and they I, I'm going to hazard a guess they have an order of magnitude more employees doing, you know, enterprise software than, than AWS. Um, and the only people who got, you know, quote unquote, private clouds are, you know, the U.S. government. And that's because it's a massively huge account. Snap in their, their SEC filings, it said they're spending a billion dollars with Amazon over the next five years. They didn't get private cloud. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you have also in the bonus links, you had some analysis from some people who can churn, churn, change your files into SQL databases, which oh yeah. Fast. And anyways, <laughs> I, what, what was it like? If Facebook ran on AWS, it'd be like five to six billion dollars, but they seem to run it on their own at three point three billion or something right. like that. But yes, and I think yeah. you're getting. I think you're hitting on it, Matt. Right? It's like that's right. They didn't get it, but you know they're a great example of like. I mean, obviously their stocks down and they're not as you know growing quite as fast as we want. It's like I think that's an obvious place, right? If you're the CFO who's bringing, you know, now starting to report to Wall Street is like, we got to bring down these costs somehow, right? That they're going to like, I'm sure they have done the analysis and I am sure they're going to do it again around what does it cost for us to build our own data center? And I'm sure that Microsoft, I mean, at a minimum, there will be that Microsoft team will come down and give them the whole pitch, right? Like, oh, this yeah, is how you yeah. can do it and you can do the whole thing. So, you know, in a kind of, and I do think, you know, you're hitting on it, Cote, like, you know, we f always forget that, like, it's not companies, it's people inside these companies that are making the decision. And while, and, and we always know, too, like, technology and media and shows, they get adopted for lots of different reasons that are emotion. And, and I agree, like, I can't really articulate why, 
But there just is this desire for people to own these things in large corporations, right? Like we can yeah. fight it, we can say no, but it it isn't going away like next year, right? It's it's just like to me, it's going to be around so much longer than people either think it should be or want it to be. And I think this is what's going to force an AWS or Amazon to get in this game or seed a large, a huge part of the IT spend. Um, you know, maybe it's going to take a whole generation, another couple of generations of people to come through. Um, but there's, a, I mean, it is like when you talk to people, they want it, man. They definitely want it. Yeah, they they want the uh, what do you call it, Matt Ray? The shining path of least resistance. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's still public cloud. It, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, private and, cloud and that and, and that, building that, your own data centers. That uh, is the experiment being played out, right? Like. Right. If if you remove the technological challenge, so let's call it Schaefer's Schaefer's posit or Schaefer's theory. Schaefer's theory <laughs> is cloud is extremely hard, and the only way you really get the benefits of cloud is if it's public cloud. Otherwise, it's just for whatever like it may cost too much. You may not get the the uh, the the scale benefits that make it possible. It might be technologically impossible to get it. Whatever the reasons. It's just like the full-on benefits of public cloud. Schaefer's theory is that you you can't get it with private cloud, right? So this it, it's, would, this yeah. would be an, a test of that. Is like, well, can you get? Can you either get? Obviously, you can never get the full benefits of public cloud because that's you know you could never have fifty points of presence. I guess if you're Facebook, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let, let's not get too lost in the weeds. That's another podcast. Uh, but like. Can you get enough of the benefits of public cloud in a private cloud box such that you don't need it? For example, maybe you have a small, uh, maybe you're an insurance company and you've got 500 agents in, in remote offices and you could run that in public cloud, but maybe it's good enough to run it in private cloud. I don't know, right? Like, and, and you know, the, it'll just be a good experiment of all of that. Right, but I think Schaefer's law there, right, <laughs> always assumes a... Uh, a very rational human being on the other side. And that doesn't mm. exist. It would be like this the equivalent of saying, like, to get the full benefits up from your body, you should never drink alcohol or eat cake, right? And the only way you're going to get the full benefits is if you don't do these things. Yeah, so, no, no, we let's, know, let's, let's, We know human beings, when they, like, sure. when they see like, alcohol or cake, in fact, I went to Happy Hour last night, I was like, you know, I've been working out a lot. What do I do? I just rationalize it. I'm like, oh, I've worked out a lot lately. I, haven't, I want to, you know, spend some time with my, my, uh, Coworkers, yep. um, it'll only be like one beer, and one, you know it's going to be quick, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be f- great. And then you know what I do? I was there, I was there for like three hours, drink you know four or five beers, you know, and it's just like yeah, I mean it just you know that's that's just the, the I, nature. I, uh, is, I, I, I had, I had so. my I had my uh, you know once every three to four times a year uh, lunch with our buddy Israel Gat, and I was like fuck it, I'm getting a Reuben, full on Reuben, <laughs> right? Extra right. sauerkraut. <laughs> And and oh, so like yeah. sure yeah no but I think I think I think I think if there's anyone who has a pragmatic uh, view of how humans operate it's it's our buddy Schaefer so I think we load all that emotional stuff into the test right including non rational yeah. choices of things I mean that's just like that's the uh, that's part of the experiment so we'll have to come September well, thankfully they're a quarterly company so I'm sure they'll boast every quarter about how it's going and they're under lots of pressure to show that they're evolving and doing the new things. So I'm, well, I, I, think the, I think we'll get pretty good I, indications if if the private cloud stuff is working. Plus, uh, they'll, they'll they'll bury it in, in all the other numbers somehow. Well, also, they don't like it. <laughs> also they have they have a bunch of hardware vendors that are participating yeah. with them and numerous partners like Pivotal Cloud Foundry stuff will be on there as as well, I recall. Well, you got like everybody, everyone. I mean, there's everybody who is an Amazon wants this to be a thing. Yeah. So I mean, that's on the other side. The vendors definitely want it to be a thing. So right, I, think, sure. I think I think I think and the customers. Seem to want it too, so yeah. it will be interesting. At, at most I'm a year from now, if not sooner, we'll have selling. we'll have some good results on this this uh, this experiment to see if yeah. private cloud is a thing. So speaking yeah, of we'll, pri- we'll, we'll either, yeah, speaking of private cloud being a thing, now just just to insert it here, hey, do you want to go help Casper manage their cloud? You should go be a senior <laughs> SRE there. Just just email your resume to jobs at casper dot com and tell them you heard about it here. They've got two slots. Thanks to Clive. Anyhow, uh, so so before before we run out of time here, there's also, um, uh, you know, you know, I write columns, right? And and I think I think uh, there's two people that I probably patterned myself after. Uh, you know, one of them kind of unintentionally. One of them is like, 
I like Ashley Vance. That guy's my hero. I want to be him when I grow up one day, right? If you, have, if, if you don't cover all this stuff as closely as I do, you should look into his career. He, he started over at the Register, I think. He wrote, uh, he wrote, wrote for The Economist every now and then. And now he's a, he's a big time not wearing an undershirt with a button-up shirt guy over at Bloomberg doing all sorts of stuff. So I like his style. Now, I wouldn't say like I, I, I follow in the path of Matt Assay, but if you were to do some sort of like get your get your Nicole in here, do some sort of advanced cluster analysis where you figure out who, you know, similar things are, like I'm pretty sure Matt Assay and I would be in the same bucket of people, the kind of the kind of stuff we write. But he had a uh, he had a write up that basically was positing uh what was it? What was it? That Kubernetes days were limited or something that uh yep. and and I think I actually I like his style of writing stuff. It's always very thought provoking. I don't I don't think kind of like myself, if you actually read the thing many times you're like, "Oh, he's not actually coming down on either side of anything." That's a specialty that I have as well. You can always weasel your way out of stuff. But like I think I think on the face of it, what he kind of throws out on the table is like uh even though and there's all sorts of things we're going to get into here. Even though 71% of people are using Kubernetes to manage their containers. Let's just put a little asterisk on that. We'll come back to that 71%. Uh, there's so much stuff going on in Kubernetes that this, this, this person who helped uh, do Ajax and found Cloud Foundry and now I think works for Ericsson. Colson. Yeah, Derek Collison. Yeah. yeah, he he's always man. That guy. You just he's like he's like a uh, he's like a flash grenade you throw into any conversation of infrastructure <laughs> software and just like yeah. th- I think there's a spell maybe third level fourth level D and D spell like confusion and you cast it and it just causes confusion. He's like that. He's he's good for that. And I don't mean that to be an insult. Like he brings up good points and uh, he, he'll just he'll just fuck up your thinking about uh, these topics. So it's basically like. I don't know. Kubernetes could totally fail, especially if Google stops caring about it. And uh, that that was kind of the the article, I think. I, oh yeah, yeah. And and then also our friends at Mirantis. they're also good for <laughs> grenades. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. What, I, I, what, I mean, what was your t- what was y'all's take on that? And then and then we'll go back. This, to that I just feel like this whole article is just worthless. I mean, there's just nothing in it. Like that's oh, wow. like, like, like I don't know. It's just like well, yeah. I mean, sure that could happen, but like it isn't. I mean, anything can happen, right? There's none of it. Like to me like resonates at all in any meaningful way it's like kubernetes is sort of is the front runner on in the container man orchestration space google obviously yeah. is putting a lot of weight behind it like you know the way that they would all make and the whole thing about like you know uh there's a lot of like comparisons like red hat and various other you know yeah, open yeah. source companies and i think you just missed the point here it's just very so, simple so, it's so, like so, all the money is going to accrue to the cloud vendors in this world yeah. so if bold, kubernetes, bold first um, move from new england why are we even discussing Trump's tweets, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I just didn't see. I wasn't like I wouldn't if we weren't talking about. it, I wouldn't have given it a second thought. But I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I guess I miss why it's even that. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Yeah. Why is it worth you know? So I, 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 think, I think. I think. I think. Other. Other than being something to talk about, which we actually have no end of of uh, something there. 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 Every now and then, I think, come next month in August, we will be desperate for things to talk about. Nothing happens in August. Uh, <laughs> That's but, not true. I, I, I got a lot of conferences to go to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, th- I think there's two things. One, I think this space is so small that when anyone says anything, it becomes something people talk about, right? And so sure. it, there, there is that. Now, two, from the meta layer, I think there's all, to your point, Brandon, there's all sorts of like meta analysis you can do of this that I think is incredibly instructive for, for following this space. But, but it is like, yeah, I mean, I generally agree that there's not a, uh, 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 a clear takeaway to be had. The, it's, it's one of those answers its own question sort of thing. But, but what do you think, Matt Ray? Um, I, I, I like the article because despite the inflammatory headline, um, if you spend the time to read it and think it over, it's, you know, it's got the point counterpoint from, from Collison and, uh, Alex Polvi over at CoreOS where they, you know, one of them is kind of negative and one of them is kind of positive. And, mm-hmm. you know, Alex was also involved in OpenStack in the early days. So maybe, you know, he's, uh, overly positive, but, um, the, the, the reality is everyone is involved in it. Um, so yes, you do have the whole, you know, OpenStack as a cautionary tale, but there doesn't seem to be a reason not to do this. And even if Google starts to pull back, um, Google isn't actually in that strong a position to say like, you know, oh, now we have something new to do. Like this is actually a big deal to Google. Like they need 
you know, I, I had a conversation with a, a product manager from Kubernetes a while back, and he was like, this is, this is a 10-year bet from Google. They think that they get the industry to adopt Kubernetes, it becomes the standard that everyone uses, and then Google sucks the oxygen out of the market. And, and they run it cheaper than everybody else. And so if you're going to do public cloud with Kubernetes, you know, this is the choice. You know, they and become I, the de facto choice. And, 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 and Amazon is now contributing to, uh, uh, to Kubernetes. There's been, uh, I didn't put it in the show notes, but Amazon's got a blog post about their COPS project, about, you know, running Kubernetes on AWS. Atlassian's got some articles about running Kubernetes on AWS. So they're starting to lean into it, right? Yeah, I, so I'm going to throw, I'm gonna throw out some, uh, some free advice. If you have a project named COPS, there must be a subcomponent <laughs> named Ronnie Dobson. Right, like that's just like you got to put that in there. Yeah, but I want to channel some uh, Steve O'Grady, right? You know, you know, the, in the end, right? The other thing you have to understand here is like who who's making these these decisions, right? That ultimately it's the developers that are driving this. Like the developers, ultimately the ones that decided this container, you know, sort of kind of almost appeared out of at least the adoption appears out of nowhere with Docker, right? It's like the world decides that group of people like this is what we want to do. And then almost equally at the same time, it's like, yeah, we got to orchestrate this stuff. And it feels like that same group of people is anointing Kubernetes um, the way to go right now, right? With a lot, a lot, a lot of game left to be played, right? So, um, so I think those things, I you know, when we, especially when you kind of uh, go back and think of OpenStack, much different. I don't think yeah. you know OpenStack never came with these kind of like huge groundswell. Um, pools from huge communities, right? And I think Google just sitting there was like, oh my God, I, you know, could it, they, they had total luck, right? They're just like, we've been using these containers forever and now everyone else wants to, right? They just must have been like ecstatic when that thing started to explode. And now you look at the lead, you know, Docker Swarm, I feel like has really squandered their natural advantage, right? They, I mean, I really think they've ceded it completely to Kubernetes yeah. at this point. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to wrap up and then we'll get to the recommendations so we can, uh, you know, take the kids to camp, as it were. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, one, this kind of thing would have been a great panel discussion, right? This is the kind of thing you want to have uh, at panels. You got, you got controversy, craziness, all sorts of stuff. So they, it would be a good ongoing discussion with all sorts of people. And, and, and two, I think there's there's some... Uh, the business of open source dynamics running around in there, right? And uh, clearly, someone needs to write uh, the annual open source is boring. Let's, let's stop talking about this article. Uh, sadly, there is no register article to be written in August. Maybe come September, I'll try to mount that one. But man, that is, that is a horse you don't want to ride. Let me let me. Open I, source is boring. Let, yeah. Let's go on vacation. The, the the horse after that you don't want to ride is uh, talking about enterprise Java, and the horse after that is talking about OpenStack. Like th these are top. You don't want to talk about open sources. Those are avoid those. You don't want to write about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, what else would we talk about? <laughs> well, it's fine to talk about it in a podcast, but writing it down is a whole other thing. So. Uh, yeah, and and then and then I'll put some links to this in the show note. But I actually wrote a little notebook thing about this, and to the point. And see, this would be the kind of thing maybe it'd be good for a, a Patreon membership to have an extended discussion. But it's very important that you go read that survey that he's referencing, because if you actually go read the methodology and everything, it's not that seventy-one percent of global enterprises who are buying stuff are choosing to use Kubernetes. Right. It's that they selected two hundred people who are already using containers. And there was a multiple choice question that said, are you using any of these orchestration things? And 71% of them chose not Kubernetes exclusively, but chose that in addition to other things. So all that means is that people who, two of these 200 people who are already using containers, uh, they've tried out Kubernetes, right? Like that, that it doesn't mean that like Kubernetes has won or something. So, which ultimately means his whole position that like the game's not won by Kubernetes yet is, is sort of proven. Now, there's some other interesting stuff in that survey that's worth going to look at. Um, but when you boil it down, you go cross it with some Gartner stuff for production usage of containers. You're still, you know, depending on how you do it, there's sort of like, I don't know, about less than 10% of people who are using containers in production that get surveyed just to give you the TLDR. But check out the show notes in my notebook thing. And in the future, if we have some extended discussion, you can, you can see that. So with that, maybe that would be a great panel to have. You should uh, welcome Brandon to that panel, clearly. It'll, he'll make it much better. He'll bring, he'll bring some uh, Old Bay seasoning and some lobster rolls. Or no, I'm sorry, crabs. <laughs> no, no, no. No, oh, no, dear. no lobster rolls. 
Oh man, that but those I, are good I'm, ne- I'm, I'm never going to find that not funny, Brandon. That's this is terrible. <laughs> Anyhow, what's uh, what's I'll, I'll, here? Here's here's my conciliatory niceness, Brandon. What is your recommendation this week? Is it is it lobster rolls? No, it is not. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is well, maybe I'm going to ask you, if I Matt Ray, if I asked you like what's like the biggest band of the '90s, like what would you say? The biggest band of the '90s, yeah, like or just the one that just like you just like. That you think of uh you too I, I don't know I, well i uh watched that's my recommendation <laughs> went to uh oasis yeah that was gonna say that's uh the uh documentary i watched was called oasis supersonic it's available oh, there you go and uh it's available on amazon prime i personally would have said like nirvana like when i think of oh, the 90s uh, yeah but when i watched um oasis supersonic and i of course i like oasis you know i certainly listen to them but i just didn't realize how big a pop culture phenomenon they were like they and this uh this documentary is super interesting although i will say for me personally i you know talking about accents like i had a hard time understanding these guys at the uh the beginning but until like my mind sort of halfway through got to the point i could really understand the brothers so it's fascinating to look at like just how big they got how quickly it happened because it's really kind of this three-year stretch and then of course uh the brothers right i mean just like maybe the most dysfunctional two people ever to like be in a band right, right? so it's just oh. crazy the amount of like fighting um that goes on and um at the same time they they seem to like find this uh, magic uh around at least three albums so it's a it's an interesting documentary just to watch i mean it's not it's a ton of footage that somehow they shot throughout the year, so it's not like uh, any voiceover. It's just really kind of going and watching different scenes and hearing the different performances. So uh, if you have time to kill, you're looking for something to watch, Oasis Supersonic, available on Amazon Prime now. How about, how about yourself, right. Matt Ray? What do you got for us this week? Uh, probably something I've already recommended before. Uh, the the HBO series Veep, uh, I love it. Um, the the new season, uh, I'm on. I have the last episode to watch, so the new season is, is very good. But uh, <laughs> uh, it it's uh, you know a a very uh, very uh, raw humor uh, politics show. Um, kind of my my uh, intersection of things that I find enjoyable. Um, so definitely go watch uh, the new season of Veep, and then uh, that's all I got for for this week. Uh, I'll I'll try to put more into it next time. That's all right. That's all right. You do a lot of work already, Matt Ray. There's, <laughs> there's 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 certain other people on this podcast who maybe should do a little more work each week. <laughs> more in depth analysis of crab cakes. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was lobster rolls. Is that uh, they're both not good. okay? All right. Uh, well, my recommendations this week. I've got I've got two recommendations. One, I'm I'm trying to give what the fans what they want so we can drive our Patreon memberships. I have a new Costco recommendation. My uh, my wife was doing shopping. Uh, frequent frequent character on this podcast. My wife and uh, I thought she was at H E B. So I told her uh, buy us some some chicken thighs and breasts so I can grill them. Turns out she was at Costco, so she bought. The uh, you know the six blister pack of, of of thighs and chicken legs, but it turns out they're boneless. I know if you, if you can wrap your mind around that boneless chicken legs, right? And uh, these are great. You should look into those. And uh, you know they're easy to cook on the grill. Wherever chicken thighs are the best, so you should definitely not be afraid to buy those. We also got the standard, you know, what do they call it? Conventional uh, chicken breasts. Those are good too. Uh, you should get those, but but look into the the boneless chicken thighs and boneless legs. My second recommendation, and I have a little preview on Twitter that I'll link to if you just go look at my uh, Twitter account. I, I've been trying to figure out what enterprise architecture does in the cloud native DevOps world, and I'm trying to, as always, go beyond the snarky people who are like, you know, it dies, which is that's just not helpful. Uh, and and there's this book that I think I got at an IBM conference from 2006 called Enterprise Architecture as Strategy. And while it is kind of an old book, and it looks like something that if you uh, read Hacker News and, and use containers, you would never want to read it. Actually, it's, it's pretty good. I'm about halfway through it. And I think it does a valiant job of defining what enterprise architecture is, the functions that happen, and how to think through it, and has plenty of case studies. Now, I don't know if all of it is valid or whatever, but uh, I, think, I think it's a good book to look through if you, uh, you're trying to figure out, you're in a large organization trying to figure out what to do about all this, uh, this DevOps stuff and everything. Because... Similar to service-oriented architectures and WS Star, 
all the goals are still the same, essentially. How they're implemented and how fast it does, I think, is what changed, and, and that's, uh, that'd be interesting to look at. Well, with that, uh, first of all, thanks again to uh, Clive over at, over at Casper. If you want to apply to be a senior SRE, just email, look at the show notes to find a link to the job or email jobs at casper.com. And uh, be sure to mention you heard about here on Software Defined Talk. Also, uh, because I've heard that there have been many people who have registered for it, uh, I'll, I'll just put in this little plug. If you, it's, there's still time. Maybe there's not time. They might be sold out. But if you want to go to DevOps Days Minneapolis, which is going to be fantastic. I won't be there, sadly. It's July 25th and 26th, and you can get 20% off registration if you use the code SDT. You should really go check that out. And uh, for a whole bunch of other discounts and things, including uh, discounts to Pivotal Things and where Matt Ray will be, go to softwaredefinedtalk.99 for the show notes. And remember, it's always great if you subscribe to this. And uh, it really would be good. I want to ask each and every one of you personally. You should go into iTunes and leave a rating or at least write a review. But if you don't want to do that, just at least write about how awesome this stuff is in Twitter or somewhere and tell a friend to uh, come listen to it. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>